2: Welcome to episode 12 of Australian Jam's second episode of 2018, which is exciting. Um, I'm super stoked to have uh, this guest with me today. I've worked with Zach for a long time. He was my mentor through the Push mentoring program and a few other things. So uh, this is really cool to talk to Zach about his music. So Zach, tell us who you are, what you do.
1: <laughs> thanks very much. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, my name's Zach, and I run a little music business called Vice Royalty. That little. is a primarily a artist management um, provider. Um, I look after Alice Ivy and Kate Martin and a, a band called Manor. And um, in the past, I've done lots of other things, um, various you know um, jobs through Vice Realty at a stage, did quite a lot of music publicity, yep. and um, have uh, been uh, really lucky to be part of the, the team that co program um, the Face to Music Conference in Melbourne for the yes. last couple of years, and then I've also been involved with a music festival up on the Sunshine Coast in Maroochydore for the last couple of years, and, and helping them um, basically uh, coordinate the talent.
2: Lots of big projects. I don't know how Zach manages his time, if I'm honest. Um, I don't know how to manage my own, so I don't know how someone else does this. Um, so, Zach, as you mentioned, you manage Alice Ivy. We'll probably talk a little bit more about her for sure. a bit later, because I want to talk about one of her songs. Great, cool. Um, Zach said he wants it to be plug-free, but I wanted to talk about it, so he, he doesn't get a choice. Um, but let's talk about your first song. What yeah. are you going to pick to begin with?
1: Um... Which one do we want to start with?
2: They're three really different ones.
1: Yeah, I'm just trying to remember <laughs> <laughs> trying to remember what I sent you. Yeah. Uh, um, how about
2: you start with the Camp Cope song? Yeah,
1: okay, cool. So this is Camp Cope's um, most recent release. I think yep. it's. it only came out um, a couple of weeks ago in, in, in mid to, to late Jan, and it's this second... Reveal from their new record, yep. which um, will be coming out this year. Uh, they they led with uh, the opener in December, which
2: amazing song.
1: Re- just a really incredible song on so many different levels. Not only like you know, um, I think the song itself is incredible and probably yeah. my favorite Camp Cope song to date. But then I think that the message uh, behind the song really kick-started, or not kick-started, because the conversation's already been going for a while, but it um, really kind of brought to, I think, the mainstream a lot of the frustrations and conversations around, uh, you know, representation of genders on music festivals and and, um, a call for greater diversity among the people in charge of booking festivals and coordinating talent, and it kind of spun into this whole... um, uh, this whole thing that occurred throughout the Falls Festivals over yeah. over New Year's, where you know um, Camp Cope were extremely vocal in the wake of this song, the opener, um, about uh, you know the, the females uh, females being really underrepresented on Falls Festival and also not being given good set times or stages and. Um, the I, I was lucky enough to go on that, that Falls Festival uh, tour in Lorne and Byron, and the atmosphere backstage was like, you know, the I guess the tension and the politicization yeah. of, of everything was palpable. Yeah. It felt like a really powerful moment. And Camp Cope smashed all of their performances on this festival in spite of this... Enormous media circus that was going on on you know on hack and on Triple J and on on Twitter and these conversations on their own social media about um, you know uh, females in the in the music industry and, and the, their frustrations around a lot of the um, the uh, the I guess things afforded male artists and bands that uh, females don't receive an equal measure. Um, So when this second song came out, I was super excited. Um, And I reckon it's just another ripping song. I think um, I'm really excited for the Camp Cope record. And I have a feeling as though it's going to be like one of the defining Australian albums of 2018, already based on on what we've heard.
2: Yeah, I I think the thing I really like about Camp Cope and that... They were doing uh, prior to all the False Festival stuff yeah. happening, but it kind of showed it more. Is that they know that they're flawed and they know that they're not perfect, but they're trying to do everything they can mm. to fix the problems they see. They can. There's,
1: yeah, dump. there's a like you know in this in this song as well. I think that a lot of people relate to the music of Camp Cope and relate to George's lyrics and they relate to Camp Cope because there's an authenticity yeah. to what they do that you don't hear on every record. A lot of what they do. Is very raw and very honest, yeah. and like you said, like Georgia seems she's becoming kind of this, uh, to me, just like this genuine icon in uh, in the Australian music in music and uh, culture sort of sphere, um, because she does reveal so much about herself, and it's kind of this like. Warton all kind of like role model. Yeah. Um, who like you said is, you know, if you listen to read into the lyrics and stuff and it's interesting, this song in particular, I saw you know, um, I follow them on all of them on, um, social media and, um, th- there's lyrics in this song that, uh, reference, um, some, you know, um, kind of a romance, a hint that there being a romance between her and someone and then later makes reference to this person's wife. And I would read on social media that uh, she'd received backlash from people saying that she, accusing her of having an affair with a married man. Um, and it's it's interesting that she she laughed it off and said that's that's not what the song's about. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that people read into it that way because um, I kind of like listened to the lyrics of this song and I kind of I, I saw it as uh, like a linear narrative where she's referencing a relationship with someone who she's no longer with who is now married. Yeah. And that was that was the um. For me, that's uh, how I related to the song being of an age where a lot of exes and stuff of mine are now married to other people. And it's kind of like, re- I, I thought she was reflecting on an old flame and saying, I don't need you anymore. And, you know, you lie in bed with your wife now. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, really, um, always good. Like, her lyricism is just in- incredible. And I think she's a, she's a really um, great storyteller.
2: Yeah. And that that's key. Like... There's the ferocity of the way they play and the message that they're putting out there and that they're unashamed to be the people to take that stand and do all those things. But behind it, there's genuine talent and they're genuinely just really good at what they do. And I think that's what backs up a lot of their statements.
1: And it's connecting with a lot of people. You know, I just, like I said, I think there's a a realness about Camp Cope that makes them and I and look, I think that we probably feel it um, stronger to a degree because we also come from Melbourne, and, and we know that these stories that she's singing about happened down the road, yep. you know, and that makes really it makes them really feel kind of like a bit like hometown here as, in this town as well. Yes, um, but I think that uh, you know it's it's the the degree to which they're succeeding in building a fan base overseas and stuff suggests that these kind of like uh, stories that she's telling kind of can uh translate anywhere
2: yeah for sure um in in the
1: tradition of like a lot of that kind of like storytelling punk writing you know there's a lot of what camp cope do that reminds me of against me and and bands that i grew up listening to who themselves were really honest uh and raw storytellers
2: yeah and that's pretty much what it comes down to like everything aside it's about telling that story yeah
0: yeah
2: Cool. I'm really excited to talk about my first song. On the bonus episode last week, we did touch on it with Eilish, but I have chosen SMFY by Eilish Gilligan just because I feel like it deserves lots of attention. <laughs> um, you've had a listen to it. What are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, it's one of those things that, like, you know, there are some people that I follow on Twitter um, for their good taste in music. Yes. And when I see throughout the course of my day and I'm like refreshing my Twitter timeline and I see the same song come up again and again, um, which was very much the case when Eilish released this mid yes. mid last week or, or thereabouts. Yeah,
2: Thursday I think yeah. And
1: uh, you know, it's one of those situations where I um just, uh, opened it in a tab, opened the SoundCloud in a tab and was like, okay, at some point today I'm going to, you know, take the time to listen to this. And then I, um, you know, I did get around finally to listening to it. Um, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, her, um, there's something quality to her voice in this song that instantly really reminded me of, um, Chairlift yeah. and Caroline Polachek, um, who's, you know, one of my favorite singers, um, and I thought, you know, Eilish is doing her own thing as well, but I thought, oh, there's aspect of, aspect of this song that, um, is chairlift-esque, which in my book's a really big compliment. They, that they, you know, <laughs> I, 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 great, A really great band. Um, and then I think I was going to ask you about it, because I, I saw, again, I later saw, um, Japanese wallpaper tweeting about it. Yeah. Um, was he involved in the production? He, yeah, he yeah. helped
2: produce it with Okay, Eilish. cool.
1: That's super, what a, I mean, I know that those guys are, um... Uh, friends and so forth but yeah. what it's what a great creative collaboration as well
2: yeah i think they work really well together because i think they had the same goal because they both really respect the same artist obviously bleachers is a huge influence yeah but they both had the same goal but they both Brought their individuality to it as well. Yeah, um, it kind of is that perfect balance in between. Well,
1: definitely. I mean, there's other there's other times. You know, I think um, that uh, collaboration Japanese Wallpaper release with All Day la- last year was was some of his most beautiful production. But it was very much his signature sound as yes. well. So there's you know, if you know if you're familiar familiar with his music, you only had to listen to the opening chords of that song to think this is a Japanese Wallpaper song. Whereas on Eilish's single, I wouldn't unless I'd read that somewhere. I would have picked that up yeah. so i think it's kind of cool that like he's you know um brought some of his ability to her sound and it's it's it really is all about her
2: yeah um and, which yeah. is cool
1: and it seems to me like um I, it's been cool watching eilish's profile grow over the last year or so in in Melbourne. Um, I actually met her a couple of years ago she, uh, in another band that she plays in. Frida. Uh, yeah, yeah. Frida. Frida went to Singapore with um, Alice Ivy. Yes. Um, and then started sort of tracking Alice's work. And I was uh, curious to um, to learn the other day that she's a music publicist herself, and that yes. she's been working and doing some music publicity, which is I think I'm always fascinated. I think it's cool when people are both the create have the creative ability and i guess the business uh, acumen as as well it's always yeah. kind of like a bit you know a pretty impressive combination in itself
2: it's not easy no
1: so it's been really cool watching her um, just kind of go from strength to strength and this latest one just seems like a new kind of high watermark for people's uh, awareness of what she's doing
2: yeah i feel like this is Her previous stuff has been phenomenal, and I love Creature of Habit. I think it's a great song. Very cool song. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like this is kind of a coming of age for her. It's like, this is who I am, this is what I'm going to be doing, and just be ready because it's coming. Yeah. Which is exciting because as a fan of her music.
1: Yeah, it's cool. I think that you and I in particular, just by virtue of the kind of artists that we work with and the the kind of... um, uh, Area of the music scene in Melbourne that we're entrenched in, we're really lucky that we get to see artists like Eilish or Alice Ivy come from first releases through yeah. to first song added to radio through to first like hit song, you know, and it's yeah. it's and it all happens over the course of kind of like six to twelve months or, or two years or something. But um, it's something really cool about it, like you know, these watching these artists first kind of like. Drop singles online, and they're quite experimental. And then it's so it, they begin to like zoom in on what I, what their sound is. Yeah. And I think at the minute, like this one um, that Eilish has, has written, I feel like this is going to potentially be the moment that you know people really wake up to her music on a on a much grander scale.
2: Yeah, I would love to see her added to a touring festival somewhere. Give her the opportunity to play those other crowds because her voice live is. Something else. Like, yeah. there are a few people that can really do that live, and she's one of them. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's just something that people need just the opportunity to be able to see.
1: What does it stand for? <laughs> the acronym. So
2: Magic Finding You. So
1: Magic Finding Okay, cool. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just... If if anyone wants to hear the conversation I had with Eilish just before this song came out, um, I'll link that in the show notes. We released that last Friday, but um, it's really fascinating to listen to Eilish's perspective and how th- what the song means to her and and what it's like putting something so personal out there into the world and and also the balance between working as an artist and working as a publicist. She's quite a fascinating person to listen to, so um, I definitely recommend. Uh, jumping on and listening to that. Not for my sake, but listen to her, because Uh, she's very interesting.
1: And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think at the time that I met her, she was performing in Frida and potentially managing Frida as well. Yeah,
2: I think she was, yeah. And,
1: yeah, it's just an incredible... Like range of skills going on there. Yeah, and <laughs> she's very... managing
2: herself at the moment as uh, that's well. That's really
1: cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't
2: and... think she wants to for much longer, but at the yeah.
1: Moment... Well, it must, that it must that must be really hard. Yeah. I would I would suggest. Um, but yeah, no shortage of um, love for her music and her ability among the kind of the people in the Australian music industry that I tend to look to. Um, as tastemakers, for, yep. l- for lack of a better word, Tommy you know, being
2: one.
1: yeah, cool. various journalists and people embedded within r- radio stations that I've got time for, and other artists who have great taste, you yeah. know. And, and these are this is definitely the people that are in her cheer squad right now, which is yeah. awesome,
2: deservedly so as well. Anyway, let's have a a quick little listen to So Magic. Oh, SMFY. Sorry. Okay, we're going to go from a pop
1: song to... Um, this is a single off Napalm from Hiatus Coyote's uh, first solo album, um, which came out, the, the album came out uh, towards the end of 2017, yeah. and um, I really felt as though it kind of went under the radar. Yeah. Um, it, I think that possibly there was an aspect of um, them deliberately... Kind of keeping it low key, and it came out kind of in a in a really kind of just a quick and no nonsense kind of a release. Um, but she kind of is highlighting uh, this song, Homebody. Yeah. Um, mid in mid January with a beautiful video that was just just released, and and the video in my mind in my memory, it's a one potentially like a one shot video but if if otherwise there's a very little kind of like cutting and and that kind of thing and it's basically Nay performing kind of like a contemporary dance in a lake uh in black and white with uh fire twirling um in in each of her hands and the song itself is really it's like it's beautiful it's eerily um minimal yeah and her whole album is. Um, I mean, I like, I, I love Heidas Cody, and I, I think Heidas Cody are the greatest band in Australia, and they probably will be for a really, really long time. Yeah. I, I think they're one of the greatest bands in the world. Um, and I'm constantly, I guess, disappointed that they're not, you know, bigger. I just, I know that they have a lot of accolades, and, you know, when you've got um, people like the late uh prince and so forth saying that you know counting you among uh among your fans or or you know drake um sampling you at his yeah. concerts uh, or on his on his record um clearly um there are people out there who are aware of what they're doing and what nay's doing but there's still a sense of um, frustration for me that uh you know they aren't kind of like the biggest band in the world because I, th- I think they deserve it um nay's record uh it's really interesting to listen to having listened to Hyattus Cody for a really long time because one thing that Hyattus Cody are able to do is take lots and lots of elements and mash them together in a way that works and it's not over complicated, um, you know, very complex song structures and arrangements and playing, mm. but they're able to somehow make it gel in this kind of like beautiful, chaotic kind of uh, um, sonic palette. Yeah. And Ney is obviously an enormous part of that as a guitarist and, and, and vocalist, but on her, on her, um, solo record, there's no drums. There's hardly any instrumentation. They've stripped it right back to almost just the elements that she brings to a Haida's Coyote song, which is really beautiful guitar playing and really beautiful, Uh, singing and there's a few feature artists like uh, backup singers and stuff um, sprinkled across this record and there's actually um, uh, homebody flows straight into the last song on the album that features an indigenous singer male singer singing uh, in an indigenous language um, with kind of like uh, some some indigenous percussive elements and stuff and and just the, the way that she's brought that aesthetic to her record in a way, in a way that really kind of, I think there's not many artists that can do that and honor it in a way that's genuine. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that a lot of, uh, there's a, a lot of white Australian artists have been criticized in recent years for say, p- uh, playing the didgeridoo or, or, or t- incorporating aspects of indigenous culture, um, in their, in their music or in their branding. That's a- appropriative, yeah, and that's very much not Nate at all. She's she. There's something incredibly um, spiritual about her as a person and as a, as an artist and as a songwriter. And I just thought, yeah, the just just everything about this song. It's just she's just a a class act. And uh, yeah. yeah, I find
2: everything she does is really tasteful and totally honest. Like, uh, it's not like she's using those elements. To benefit herself, it's using those elements to share the Sorry. beauty of that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Like I said, like, it feels like she's, uh... It's artistic, and she's honouring th- uh, culture in a, um, appropriate way, yeah. you know? respect um,
2: Respectful is probably... Yeah,
1: yeah, it. and it's just, I mean, aesthetically, so, like, sonically, it's just the perfect combination of elements yeah um yeah this song is like i i i kind of can't stop listening to it it's it's sad but it's beautiful
2: for sure well let's make you all sad now um we'll have a bit of a listen to homebody by napalm My second song for today uh, is by a Perth, Perth or Fremantle producer I should know that, um, called Yukio um, featuring Fields who we actually had on the podcast for our year wrap episode last year. Uh, it's called Something Like This and it took me a couple of listens this song but it really kind of burrowed its way into my head and I couldn't stop including it in everything I was listening to after that and it's just a really relaxed jam and the lyrics are perfectly matched. It's not overdone. It's not too much. It's just kind of the perfect balance, which yeah, I've been really enjoying listening to it and it kind of fits with everything else I've been listening to. So surprise. Did you <laughs>
1: have a bit of a listen? Super cool. Um, yeah, I think you know. before we started taping the podcast, I was saying this is an artist that I hadn't heard of until you um, sent me the, your your. Track selections through, um, I knew Fields. Yeah. Um, I, cause I, I, had the pleasure of meeting them at Big Sound last year yep. and have been following, um, their music online for a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's so much interesting stuff going on in Perth mm. and sometimes I feel like we are guilty in East Coast cities of um, forgetting that there are other places, you know, <laughs> yeah. make, making music. And, you know, I think that Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane, to a lesser extent, are really kind of East Coast centric. Mm. And um, and it, when you hear artists like this, it really makes me just want to kind of jump on a plane and um, go and see all of these bands play, you know, <laughs> um, and, yeah. and see what else if, if the, you know, it's kind of like this incredible stuff coming out of Paris and Mail.
2: Yeah and it's not the same stuff that has always been coming out either. I felt for a little while Perth was very much the same music. It's Tame Impala 2.0, 3.0, but now it's actually a really diverse scene. Yeah. Um which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um there's great hip hop coming out of Perth and like really kind of like progressive hip hop and there's great electronic and great producers like Fields and stuff like that yeah. as, as well and um Yeah, there's a, there's a whole range of um interesting sounds
2: Yeah, this song, um, I'm sorry if it gets stuck in your head But here, have a listen to it and uh tell me what you think Three wishes
0: won't free me at all You got my tongue Still I hold on Here's everything we please. If you feel the
2: Okay, we're back for Zach's last song after a minor issue with uh, the recording, but no one needs to know that. Tell us.
1: Um, I chose a song by Cub Sport from Brisbane. Um, It's called Good Guys Go. Um, And it's off their album that came out in around October last year, I'm I'm pretty sure, Um, which is just a, a really stunning record start to finish um and they've always been great pop songwriters and great lyricists and he's such an incredible vocalist but there's something about this latest record of theirs that has a maturity to it that i think that um there's a maturity to their their songwriting and and the and the lyrics and stuff themselves um that uh is really captivating um this song's called good guys go and Again, it's kind of a sad song, um, but it's kind of like a lot of their record is is kind of I don't know if "sad" is the right word. Like, it's emotive, um, and it's quite um, I don't know. It's like emotionally intelligent as well. Yeah, a a lot of a lot of their songwriting it kind of. um, But at the same time. It's arranged and performed in a way that shows a really sophisticated knowledge of pop songwriting. And in that sense, it reminds me of a lot of classic pop. Um, a friend of mine actually made a comparison between this latest Cub Sports stuff and George Michael. And yeah. I'd I'd never thought about it before, but when I started thinking about the... Not the early George Michael kind of wham days, but like actually full-blown like George Michael pop ballads and that kind of thing. And it's, yeah, C- Copsport have kind of nailed that. There's a there's a kind of a timeless sophistication to these pop songs that are also kind of emotional and, and moving. Um, and Good Guys Go is definitely one of these as well.
2: Yeah, I've got a, a lot of respect for Tim, Sam and, and the band because they've kind of put themselves out there in a really, yeah. really vulnerable way for yeah. for quite a long time now, not to promote the record, but to promote representation. Yeah. And I think that's been really important. And then they've backed it up with a really beautiful record that kind of keeps building on everything that they've done. Yeah. Um, their first record, like their first full-length record, was really, really beautiful. It yeah. was a really beautiful pop record. catch As you said, this is something else. Like yeah. this is, um, yeah, I... You can't quite put it's your like, finger on it. But it's, it's like they've
1: really come of age.
2: Yeah.
0: You
1: know, I think they're, they're still young. And I think that they were very, very young when that first record
0: yeah. came
1: out. Um, but between the two records, it feels like they've undergone, like, a lot of growing up, growing up kind of like life experience kind of things. Yeah. And that, that has translated into their um, recent music. Um, I guess I part of the reason why I chose this song as well like um, comes from the the same uh, place that I chose the Camp Cope song. Um, I think that Squad are incredible role models and they have an enormous fan base and it's a very young fan base and they as you said um, are really uh, responsible and setting a just exemplary example of of behavior and language and emotional intelligence and respect and representation and yeah. all, all of these sorts of things um, that is really kind of inspiring to, to, to watch. And um, I think, yeah. we're, again, we're, they're a really special band.
2: They're doing it in a way as well that connects with the young people too. It's yeah. not like preaching or no. talking down to anyone. They're actually connecting with people yeah. on their own level and kind of providing that different way of thinking.
1: And to draw an interesting parallel to the conversation we are having about Eilish a moment ago, yep. certainly when I, I met um, Tim and Sam at Big Sound last year, really briefly, um, had, a, had a coffee with them, um, and at the time that they were self-managed and they all, were also releasing this record on their, on their own, yeah. um, you know, well, I, I, as you do... I had kind of asked them like, you know, are you here to to find a record label? And they said, oh no, 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 we're we're releasing this record on our own in two weeks. And I was just kind of like, wow, again, you, you, you're doing everything, and you're doing it right as well yeah. because there's a lot of there's been a lot of attention and, and focus on the record, and they um, have look, an insane amount of fans, um, particularly on. Because of their use of social media and the way that yeah. they, you know, someone told me that they um, they respond to every single message that that they get, and and you know, having seen what those Facebook um, inboxes or direct messages on Twitter or Instagram uh, look like with some of my artists who are much smaller than Cub Sport, um, that would be an enormous responsibility to actually take the time to read and respond to everyone. But yeah. the payoff of that is that their fans um, are really. In, intensely connected to them, um, and really evangelizing their music as well. I was really happy when um, they came in the hottest one hundred just, just, yes, just it the other so week. Yes, that was so good. And I think that that's te- you know you, you have to, ha- you must have to have a huge amount of votes these days to get into the hottest one hundred. And you know Cubsport have a huge amount of fans out there who are really passionate about them.
2: Yeah, and just the impact that they can have on someone's life just by replying to a message, it, it, you can't. Uh, underestimate what impact that can have on some people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. Especially people who feel uh, underrepresented or yeah. underappreciated f- because they are who they are. So, yeah. anyway, that's a whole other topic. But go Cubsport, they're f- fantastic. Uh, and let's have a listen to their excellent music. So, this is Good Guys Go by Cubsport. chosen the new Alice Ivy song featuring Bertie Blackman chasing stars to talk about, not just because it's a good song, but it's a good opportunity with Zakir to talk about the song itself. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the process of getting this song out, because working with Birdie yeah. Blackman and all that kind of stuff must have been interesting.
1: Okay. It's a really cool story. Yeah. Um I'm kinda I'm kind of... I didn't want to choose of it's great because I would love to talk about the song, but I never want to be, you know. I, I got the opportunity to write a uh, little op ed for somebody last week of like eight artists that uh, are yeah. local artists that I think are going to shine, and you know I, the temptation to put my own <laughs> artist in there was really high. I was like, you, no, you can't be that guy. So, um, but thank you for choosing this song um, because it has a, it does have a cool story behind it um, that we haven't really shared yet yeah. um, and anywhere in any of the media. Um, I guess the nature of Alice Ivy's music is that you know she's she plays everything, but she's primarily a producer. Um, there are moments and stuff on the record where she sings herself, but it's usually there is one beautiful song that closes her her new record um, that she sings entirely. Yeah, um, which has become I think she's like kind of embarrassed by it, but it's become kind of like a cult favorite among the people who've heard the record. Yeah. You know, I think that the people like myself and the record label and stuff have been kind of like. This is my favorite song on the album. And she's like, oh, my God. Like I, she was you know, deliberating whether she wanted to leave it on the album or not because yeah. she doesn't fancy herself as a singer. Um. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Um, So what I'm getting at is that um, she obviously collaborates on the non-instrumental music that she produces. She works with feature artists in a feature capacity. And this song um, wasn't always called Chasing Stars. I I can't even recall what what the demo title was, but she's she's had it for um, maybe a year or so. Um, Yeah, I think it was actually kind of earmarked to be... A single last year, wow. around the time that we released Get Me a Drink. Okay. So our plans changed, as they tend to, when you're at the early stages of an artist's career and you're doing everything yourself, and at that point in time, we were releasing the music ourselves as well, like we, we were our own record label. Um, she had co-written this song with a with a singer, um, it had a different title, it had completely different lyrics, it had a, com- a completely different everything, yeah. and we really liked it, and we thought, hey, this would be a great single for, for radio. And then at the 11th hour, um, this artist, this feature artist's manager got in touch with us and said, I don't want to release this song anymore. And we were devastated because we were really happy with it. Yeah. Um, but it, it didn't, uh, I guess it didn't gel with his vision for what the sound he wanted his artist, the direction he wanted this artist to go in, uh, sonically, um, was at odds with what she had co-written with Alice Ivy. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, as you can imagine, and as a manager yourself, you know, these conversations are never easy. And my artist was, uh, you know, devoured and pissed off, yeah. you know, all, yeah. all sorts of things, right? And I kind of just distracted her and said, I just let's put this on the shelf. I promise I will find you a better feature artist for this song. Just give me time. Why don't you go and work on a different one? She switched tacks and she wrote uh, Get Me a Drink with East and Charlie Threads. Yep. And that ended up being the first song she ever had at a Thai rotation on radio. It's probably still the most popular Alice Ivy song out there. Um, although Chasing Stars is kind of catching up, (laughs) but, um, you know, so it's funny how, you know, we we were so set on this particular song and then plans fell through. Um, there was a a moment of, of, uh, sadness around that. And then, uh, she kind of like repurposed herself and wrote, um, an equally great song with, with some other artists that saw her go on tour and all sorts of great, wonderful, yeah, wonderful things kicked off the back of, um, of getting a drink coming out. Meanwhile, in the background, I'm racking my brains about who would be a good replacement for, or a good uh, feature artist to kind of salvage this beautiful instrumental that that Annika had written. Um, And years ago, I used to work with Bertie Blackman. Now, I've always thought Bertie um, has just a sensational voice, Mm -hmm. um, but she also has a real knack for collaborations. She, she, um, the last, the most recent thing I could really recall of hers was a really great collab she'd done with Earthboy. Now, this funny thing where all of our stories kind of uh, interject, because Alice Ivy, before I was managing her, had written to Earthboy and said, I would, I would love to open for you at the Northcote Social Club yes. when he was doing a little album preview show. And he, being the legend that he is, wrote back and said, I love your music. Come and open for me at Northcote. Bertie was on tour with him because she was singing, I think it was called Long Loud Hours, Lonely Hours. Oh, so yes, was, Lonely was, Lonely okay. She sung the, the chorus hook on it. So she got to see, not knowing that I work with Alice Ivy, she got to see Alice Ivy play in yeah. Melbourne. So when I wrote to Birdie and said, "Hey, I'm managing this artist and she, this producer, and she's written this beautiful song, and we're looking for someone to collaborate as a lyricist and a, and a feature vocalist." Her name's Alice Ivy. She said, "Oh, I saw Alice Ivy open for Earthboy in Northgate Social Club. She's amazing." And we went, "Okay, well, this is all the stars had aligned." Yep. Um. And then it goes further. So then Earthboy ended up asking Alice Ivy to go on tour with him ar- around tour, Australia. Yeah. And the middle artist on that bill was Joyride. Yep. And one of the things Joyride had said to Alice Ivy on that tour is if you ever need a studio space in Sydney, I've got a studio above a pub in Merrickville, I think it was, or Surrey Hill, something like that. Um, and it's yours. You just... Just hit me up and and it's yours. So, Birdie's in, being, being in Sydney, Alice Ivy in Melbourne. I forget when we did it, but um, at some point this year, um, she went up for just a, a day, I think, uh, yeah. over the weekend. Um, and, yeah, we booked the studio for for the day at Joyride studio, and Birdie came down, and um, Annika called me. I think their session started at 11, and she called me at about 1, and she said, I think we're done. And I, and I, and I was like... <laughs> what like you know like at this point we didn't know whether birdie had written anything or what is she's like yeah i think we're done and i was like well make sure like so you don't leave the studio you know time you've got this precious time in sydney with this artist and i expected them to be going all the way through the night you know yeah. and she said no i think i'm pretty confident i've got everything i need so i was like okay wow um she, she texted me and said Birdie is a, like unbelievable. Like, I've never worked with anyone like this. And I was oh, like, sorry. wow. So then I heard the song, obviously, and I was blown away by it. Apparently, Birdie just came in there and she said to Annika that the instrumentation reminded her of flying, it felt like flying. She started to look into a little bit of like historical aviation stuff, and she read about this guy called Lincoln Beachy.
2: Okay. Lincoln
1: Beachy was the first person to conceive of doing a loop the loop in an airplane. So, like where uh, like a biplane, like these de- those old like propeller historical aircraft, um, he conceived of like you know if you you could steer it to do this huge circle, and it would cut out, and it and then you would continue going right. He wasn't the first person to do a loop-the-loop. He actually died trying to do it. (laughs) And somebody else, a few years (laughs) later, was the first person to do a loop-the-loop. But that is what Birdie wrote Chasing Stars about. Um, How the degree to which, you know, the lyrics correspond to this historical story, I'm not sure, but that was her... She said, you know, the song felt like flying, and she read up about flying, and she was really captivated by this character who came up with a crazy idea and died trying to do it and the kind of beauty of that, in, in a sense. And, and that was her motivation behind the lyrics for for Chasing Stars. <laughs> but the other interesting thing is, you know, we got to catch up with Birdie and Sydney and had a few beers with her the other night when um, Annika and I were up there. And uh, she said to me that was this was one of the hardest songs for her to write because she's not accustomed to writing... Um, happy music um, and a lot of her past music has been really emotional and raw and deep and yes. stirring and uh, something that I've cited uh, on many occasions um, is that a real point of difference about Alice Ivy's music for me is that it's happy a lot of it is uplifting and happy. And I, I love sad music and I listen to lots of it as, as, you know, exemplified by me choosing home body <laughs> and good guys go and that kind of thing. Um, but I, I really think there aren't that many people out there who are making electronic music. That's really positive. And birdie and Annika have just made something that's really joyous yeah. on this song. Um, and we are really stoked that, um, the reception to it has been really good. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the highlights, um, of the first record.
2: Yeah. That, well, yeah, for me, this is my favorite Alice Ivey song. And I think it's because it's so, it, it feels like you're, it's a movement. It's, yeah it carries you. Yeah. And that's why the flying thing is quite interesting yeah. for me. Cause for me, it's just like, it'd be perfect to chuck on in the car when driving on a yeah. highway, like stuff like that. And it's just, it. Kind of takes you there in a really relaxed kind of way. Do you know
1: what's weird that you kind of just like a thought that you just triggered when you said that is that, um, I saw when I'm listening to Alice Ivy's music, I have very little awareness of how long any of her songs are because they have this momentum yep. where I kind of go like, that could have been two minutes or it could have been five minutes. I don't really know. Yeah. Like, cause you're just like so caught in this wave of the music and then the song ends. And it's always funny when I'm doing like, you know, APRA live performance reports whatever. And I, and I actually have to um, take note of the length of songs and you'll be surprised that something that feels like a really big piece of music is maybe like two minutes 30 and something that feels like a really punchy pop song that you listen to a bunch of times is like five minutes and you're like, whoa, it's just, it's weird how she can kind of, um, distract you, uh, and get, suck you into listening to the music, Yeah. Uh, in a really, um, captivating way.
2: Yeah. There's that uniqueness about her that like, there's, there's literally no one in Australia doing anything like what she's doing. And I don't think so. Not at all. Like the, there's lots of electronic producers that are Surely. really, really great in the country at the moment that are doing things like working with feature artists, all that kind of stuff. But her brand is her brand Yeah. when it comes to, and I spoke to Mel about this when Mel was on Australian Jams last year, because right, we, yep. we spoke about get yeah. Me a drink and her brand is her brand. So her artwork, you know, it's her. Yeah, the production—you know—it's her. No matter who the feature artist is, yeah, you know that it's Alice Ivy. she yeah. doesn't lose herself in what anyone else is. Yeah, trying to
1: and do. it's it's interesting that that you that you say that as well. Like you know, one thing that we've been really protective of, even though we have partnered with um, record labels whom we think share um, their understanding of who she is and and the vision for for what we want to do. Um, we still very much look after the creation of all content and messaging and, and everything ourselves, like as in between her and I, which is the way we were doing it before we started working with anyone before even we had a booking agent. Um, and it's a real cottage industry, like Annika's brother Dom takes all the photos pretty much. Um, we have worked with a couple professional photographers, but in the, in the most recent, I mean, the best promo photo we've had yet is one that's just out this week, um, that he took um, over the summer. And he tends to do quite a lot of the artwork um, as well um, with her, sitting beside him, kind of as an art director, kind of like, oh, you know, I, to, I was sort of thinking we could look like this, and or here's an idea, can we cut these up? And it's the same with her merch. Um, you know, her her new line of T-shirts and everything were all hand-drawn by a friend of hers in England. And Amazing. a lot of the people singing on the record are people she grew up and went to school with, like Georgia Van Etten, <laughs> or, you know, or, you know, you've got um, musicians from just friends uh, yeah, around... Melbourne who had late night jams with her and laid down a bit of guitar or a bit of drums or, 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 um, or what it is in this really kind of like DIY kind of way. And so it's kind of on the one hand, like when the final product comes out of the oven, like chasing stars being a really good example of this, it's really polished, you know, it's like super polished. Um, but all of this stuff's been like painstakingly put together by a really small group of people that are all just drawing on, like, their resources and their friendships and networks and stuff. And yeah. it's all been really organic. You know, East wound up on um, Get Me a Drink because they went on tour together and just hit it off and and really found a uh, a mutual respect for, for what the other was doing. And, yeah. you know, Charlie Threads came because uh, a friend of mine manages him and, and had put his threw his name out there after we tried a few other rappers who were too busy to to ride at that time and
2: yeah that, well, we had ryan on uh last oh, year as well. and, yeah. he made, and that was around the time so yeah it's yeah. just yeah like it's been like this little co-
1: cottage industry and there's a real there's a, like a the birdie one as well like there's a there's a real story behind everything and that where artists like heard each other or met each other and really liked what the other was doing and there was generosity where people gave up studios or played sessions for free or whatever you know or or took the photos themselves or you yeah. know created the artwork and it's like it's there's a she's um she puts a lot out there i think as a person and as and and is beginning in my eyes to become a real role model for mm-hmm. a lot of um Females in music, and and especially females in electronic music. Um, the fact that she uh, does all of her her own production, and she um, has been teaching Ableton Live yes. uh, courses at Operator for uh, women and non-binary producers. And you know, she's every every occasion she's had to um, she's been asked to do something, whether it was with the Push or Leaps and Bounds or um, Rebel Music Academy or any of these things. she's said or TED. Yes, I'll play. Yes, I'll talk. It's never about the fee or whatever it is. It's about um, the message and yeah. letting people know that, you know, she's still learning this herself. She's only a couple years in, but it is possible and there are people that will help. And when you do put that kind of in out into the universe, it comes back tenfold. And yeah. people are like, use my studio for free. Or, you know, when she was on tour in, in Tassie, a guy opened up his studio at like three in the morning and they, they tracked drums for... Um, <laughs> What song is that on, on the record? Um, it's Almost Here, maybe, or with uh, the drummer from Laser Baby who was, uh, you know, at the show that night, just jumped, <laughs> just jumped in there and threw some drum stems on a USB that she took back to Brunswick and finished the song. You know, it's like there's, this, there's these cool stories um, associated with everything. It makes it feel like uh, not just an album for me, but just this really, this collection of stories that's like a snapshot of two years of her life.
2: Yeah, it's like a, it must be a real sense of accomplishment when you do release something that's been so collaborative and so like community driven. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's exciting. I think um, I think this is going to be the first of many, many Alice Ivy records, and I think that as her um, touring, international touring develops and her profile grows or we could expect the caliber and, and profile of feature artists to kind of grow as well yep. with, with her. But I think it's always going to be cool to look back at your first record, which is a combination of your friends and people you met along the way. Um, and it, there's, it's going to feel really special.
2: Yeah. there's For me, there's a bit of, not in sound, but in uh, the way she will, I think she'll grow. Um, Kuchka, very yeah. similar, where just really, really good at what she does, and the kindness that they show then begets the talent and the profile that comes to her, and yeah. it's going to be really exciting to see that.
1: Yeah, and it's, uh, I think it's hard. I think, um, as you know, the, to touch on the Camp Cup thing once more, when you do speak up about something, you um, put a target on your back, and um, they're an artist who's um, you know been around for a minute now, and they're uh, brave enough to, to take yeah. it. Um, I think as Alice Ivy gets deeper into her career and she begins to become more um, a conscious and, and aware of her responsibility as an artist and her responsibility of being a good role model and stuff, she's um, more interested in communicating some of these things. Mm. Um, and at the same time, you've got to navigate that really, really carefully that you're not going to um, welcome abuse or, you know, backlash, backlash from people, but, um, so it's kind of an interesting thing to watch her navigate this stage of her career as well, when you've kind of got one foot in DIY world and the other, you're you're fast becoming a household name in Australia at least. And now we're, um, off to South by and and really going to try to start the international, um, campaign.
2: Yeah.
1: It's, uh, it's a lot of things for artists to kind of, kind of take on and manage, but, um, she's doing, she's doing a good job of it.
2: Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, okay, we've we've talked about that enough. Let's let you hear the song, at least, part of it. Um, this is Chasing Stars by Alice Ivey featuring Bertie Blackman. sad to be finishing this chat because it's been really really awesome um but tell us what you're getting up to in the near future what can people go and see of your artists what can yeah they
1: do? um there's lots of interesting things happening on the near horizon um alice ivy's first album comes out on friday the 9th holy cow yeah it's uh it's here um a lot, a lot of people um We actually had designs. I don't know what we were thinking. We had designs to release it towards the end of last year, and then that timeline just became apparent that that was really (laughs) what wasn't going to be achievable or wise. Um, So I'm glad that we pushed it into February and took the summer to really kind of like sort everything out. Um, It's funny because um, you kind of feel like you just try to – do as much as you can every day in the lead up to its release. You know, there's obviously stuff that I have to be doing and attending to, but then the second you've got a free minute, you're like, what else can I be doing? Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with, with, uh, with her record release at the moment. Um, her national tour starts, uh, on February the 16th in Sydney.
2: I actually wanted to talk to you about that. Yeah. Um, briefly, uh, we notice a lot of big tours being announced that have, the same old supports yeah. in every city whether it's the main support that's touring or yeah. the local supports they always tend to be the same handful of artists yep. but you seem to have made an effort to find people yeah. that aren't on all those other shows uh-huh. it's yeah. really awesome
1: <laughs> thank you I'm glad somebody noticed <laughs>
2: well, I was actually talking to to Sabby Robertson right. from Native Tongue about it the other day yeah. how, how much that stood out is that you found people that aren't getting those yeah. other opportunities
1: that's it um I don't know if we're like the easiest thing. We we have a really great relationship with our booking agent, Robert um, Select in in Sydney. Um, And it's one of mutual um, respect. And he understands there's a lot of strategy and intelligence that goes into the things that we do. And he definitely um, shared that vision for her. I don't know that we're the easiest act to book sometimes (laughs) because we can be really picky about what we want to do and not want to do. And um, we're also kind of, we can be demanding of like, you know, what, where we perceive ourselves of needing to be on festivals and these sorts of things um uh because we really value and uh rate highly her ability and, and, and her um her uh package of music. But when we we're doing the tour I think two things came to mind. One, we're definitely borrowing a little bit from that Earth Boy of philosophy and, you know, his, his kind of thing and Elephant Tracks do some amazing stuff in, in um, Sydney and Australia-wide, really. But they're a really close-knit family of artists. Yeah. And when Earthy goes on tour and he goes on these mammoth tours, um, the one that they did together was 18 Dates, he takes... The fam with him, and that's you know he manages Joyride and Joyride is main support on every show, and you know he met Annika at one show at Northgate Social Club, and he said, I don't want you just to do Melbourne, I want you to come on all eighteen dates, I want you to come to yeah. Darwin with me, I want you to come to these like far flung places, and that's a really old school way of doing it, but it's really cool because then it becomes a genuine tour. Yeah, it's not just like you're seeing one band with a, with whoever uh, you know the agent hobbled to together from from each city by city um we wanted to bring one and we wanted that artist to be someone really special and someone whom um we thought is perhaps um not rec- yet receiving the attention that they deserve yeah. um we've got a lot of love for everything that valve sounds to in in melbourne um i've got an enormous amount of respect for shelly and sasha and, and their, their whole roster um and the one uh for us that uh has really just been uh, doing some amazing stuff of late, with Nasty Mars. And, yeah. and Nasty Mars put out, he's only put out a few pieces of music in a kind of a commercial sense, um, but his live show is phenomenal. Um, and uh, he, but there was a particularly captivating single video release last year that caught mine um, and Annika's attention. So we asked Mars if he wants to come on the whole um, East Coast and do Brisbane City, Melbourne as main support, and we're really delighted that he said yes. Yeah. Um... And we're really lucky in Melbourne at Howler to have him with his full band. So it'll be Nasty Mars and the Martians who, you know, performed at Melbourne Music Week at the at the Melbourne Music Week hub and stuff this year. Um, that's going to be a real treat. Yep. And then we gave the opening slots towards people that, are again, like from our extended family of artists. Um, Annika has a great tour manager in Brisbane by the name of Cam McKinnon and... Um, Cam's a legend and a good friend of mine, and Cam was down in Melbourne, he manages this great singer called Keelan Mack, and you know, I met Keelan when he was down in Melbourne doing some sessions, and um, I, we immediately thought of Keelan for the for the opening slot in Brisbane, and, and he jumped on board. Um, Annika has crossed paths uh, on many occasions throughout 2017 with Mole Rat, also from Brisbane, who's a real favourite of ours, and, and one of her close friends now too. And, um, Oh Boy from Sydney, uh, plays, performs with, uh, Mole Rat Live yeah. on, on a lot of these festivals. And, you know, that's how we kind of cottoned on to his music and got to see him perform. So we reached out to Oh Boy to jump on that Sydney support. And in Melbourne, I think, like, you know, the trend towards, um, shows and tours these days is often, like, uh, kind of like, making it a feel like a mini festival. I mean, like even like Sia brought like, yeah. was it Charlie X, Charlie
2: X, Amy Shark, Amy Shark, and um,
1: Mo. Ben Mo from Sweden. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, the XX were at a point, like he pulled out, but they were bringing, um, that guy from odd future. Um,
2: I know who you talking about. And then
1: about they also about. had Khalila as well. It's yeah. like, and you're not just going to see one band. You're, it's a whole festival. So Melbourne being the hometown show and and the biggest uh, capacity on the tour as well. It's Howler on the um, Saturday, the 24th of Feb. Yep. Um, Nasty Mars and the Martians, full live band. Absolutely killer band. Francois, who's a rapper, from, rapper singer from Melbourne. Yeah. Um, that Annika met at, at Opera Song Hubs last year and, and that they've been collaborating a little bit. Um, and Sophie Grophy, who's a, a a local rapper, um, who w- we didn't really know about. We just love what we've heard online and, and reached out to her. So it's a four-band bill and um, really diverse range of yeah. artists. Um, and again, we sort of did the same thing. And you know? we've got Strict Face and Skivvy Beats in Adelaide and... Um, I think we 're still um, sorting out uh, supports in Perth because that one 's not until March, but um, I know we reached out to fields and and and, and um, Annika 's doing some production stuff with their um, teaching classes that they run out in Perth as well, so hopefully that one comes over the line, but yeah, we put heaps of thought into it, and often people say things like, you know well you know if you want to be presented by triple J, then you have to be, you have to pick all bands that are getting played on triple J and the reality is most of my favorite artists aren't getting flogged on Triple J. And if you want to bring Nasty Mars, who's never been played on Triple J, bring him. He's going to be great live. And, you know, think about the show you want to deliver to your audience, not what you want the perception to be in the media.
2: Yeah, and if the product's good enough, it'll get that stuff anyway. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been really... Yeah, it was really awesome to see that because not only coming from the artist management side but coming from the music fan side you eventually just stop going to see the supports when they're on it everything yeah and as much as you love that artist yeah you're not going to go and see them every single time so it brings more to the show yeah if you can provide opportunities for others because you've been given that opportunity because- yeah so alice i have album out on the ninth.
1: album out on the ninth. very excited um, obviously the, the probably most relevant show to um your listeners is the melbourne one on on uh the 24th at howler and um like we were saying a really um a big lineup of supports really interesting supports that night as well um i'm off to south by southwest in march i've I've never been before um i've never had an artist play before either um so alice ivy's um, lucky to be playing the um, the Secret Sounds party.
2: Awesome.
1: Um, which will be really cool and, and we're, we're kind of going out there with a mission to um, kickstart her international um, business. You awesome. know, we haven't really done, aside from a couple little showcases and Canadian Music Week and um, a couple little trip to Singapore a couple years ago. We haven't really done a lot of overseas stuff and not really in the States very much at all, aside from a smattering of little club shows and stuff yeah. over, the, over the last couple of years that we kind of just like tacked on holidays and, and that kind of thing. Um, so, this will be, you know, an opportunity to meet a lot of really interesting people. She comes back because she's going on uh, this frightened frankly frighteningly big tour with the jungle giants that they just they've (laughs) they just keep on adding more and more shows to all throughout april so she's gonna be pretty busy Uh, i reckon that that's probably about the time that the uh Barista job is gonna <laughs> is gonna go in the bin because I don't even know how she would do it. The Jungle Giants are like literally playing. I've never seen anyone playing sold out shows on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and stuff in cities, and they are so. Yeah. It's 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 just huge.
2: And just a little shout out to Evan Clark, who we've spoken about before. Yes. I love him so much, and it's so awesome to see he'll be touring.
1: Evan's opening. Yeah. yeah. Um, great, another great tour, and they've, yeah. they I think they've done, they've also done something really interesting on the supports. Yeah, you know? they definitely have. Um, but I think the Jungle Giants fans are gonna dig what Lsiv does um and then i'm gonna stay on in la for a little while and for some meetings and networking opportunities and stuff and probably come back to australia around the middle of the year um kate martin's been she spent the entire summer in scandinavia berlin and london writing she's probably knocked off like maybe a dozen different sessions with co-writers and she's coming back with loads of new music towards um Uh, her next record so I'm really excited to to catch up with her when she's back and um, and listen to what she's been doing because I haven't heard very much of it either. She's been like kind of so busy every day that um, there hasn 't even really been a chance for us to catch up and hear about it only yeah. that it 's all going well
2: yeah
1: um, and then um manor have a have an album their their first album is is finally complete, and we 're just beginning i guess to um have the conversations with a few different indie labels around the place that we admire um, about potentially partnering on its release but
2: yeah.
1: um, we have plans to to release that record um, this year and uh, so. and we 'll see and then potentially do some get them back on the road as well. And that's about it, really. I'm kind of like... Just, kind of,
2: just a few things.
1: <laughs> like I, I kind of know, like, some of them are kind of like vague ideas at the moment. The Alice stuff is, is, like, off and running, so it's um, it's nice when your artists are all at different points in the cycle and one's on the road and the other one's writing or the other one's have just finished in the studio, and it's kind of like um, it enables me to divide my time a bit better between yeah. them. Um, and then, you know, you can shift gears when the next one releases and goes on tour and someone else goes back into the studio, (laughs) you know? So I kind of know what I'm doing for like the next like four or five months. But after that, I've not really got a plan. see what
2: happens. (laughs) Face the music again?
1: Um, I don't know. I, you know, um, I, I'm not sure is the, is the answer to that. Um, I was really privileged to be, um, a co-programmer in 2016 and 2017 and, it's it's an enormous undertaking, a really big responsibility. Um, I'm really proud of the work that Ashton Brooks and I did on, on that pro- project, but um, I'm not sure whether either of us will continue on with it, just from the perspective of whether we're going to be here or yeah. how much, whether we'll have the same amount of time
2: sure. um,
1: a- available to us. Um, so we'll wait and see. I haven't really said yes or no either way I kind of need to wait and see what happens in my world and what happens in their world as well yeah and then if it feels like I'm gonna be a valuable part of that project again then I'm um, then maybe I'll jump back in but um at this stage uh, it remains to be seen
2: time is obviously always an issue when it comes to music projects yeah
1: and the nature of art management is like it can be quite difficult to plan long term yes You know, like I said, we kind of, you have this like sense of immediacy and you have one eye on what's on the next horizon, but we can only really say exactly what we're doing for about three months or four months. And then it's like, there's lots of maybes. Maybe we'll do a European tour with Alice Ivy in June, July. Um, She's applied for uh, Red Bull Music Academy in Berlin in October and we're we're crossing, crossing fingers for that. I would love to do Reaper Barn with her in, in Hamburg towards the end of the year. So, if, depending on what happens, I may be away quite a lot. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, let's hope that that's the case. As much as it would yeah. suck yeah. for us, it would be amazing for Allison it, for yourself. It, yeah,
1: yeah. And um, I mean, I always come back to Melbourne anyway. It's just the best, best city in the world.
2: It is. I agree. Uh, plus I miss
1: miss footy too much I
2: was literally about to say something about football Uh, just for those playing at home, Zach and I have a long history of hating each other's football team Um,
1: hating and also kind of having a weird level of respect, like true enemies it's kind of like, I hate you because you're so good and you've definitely got things that I wish were on my team
2: it's so irritating that last year the only two games we lost after round 6 were uh anyway. <laughs> uh we'll have that conversation another time. Um but Sydney's better than Hawthorne <laughs> and we'll move on. Um, Okay, cool. Thank you for sticking around. This is going to be a longer episode than usual, but uh, I appreciate you sticking around. It's been super fascinating talking to Zach. And thank you so much for coming out to my house. I know it's not easy for people to get to my house, (laughs) um, especially with the trains down. Um, But yeah, if you, I'm just going to do a little bit of plugging. If you could subscribe wherever you listen or share it with your friends, that would be appreciated because that helps me out. And um, we do have a Patreon page if you do want to chuck a dollar or two our way um each month you get playlists and you get discounts on things so um yeah all those will be in the show notes as well as the link to buy tickets to alice Ivy's oh, thank you tour um so please get on that as well because amazing performer um, amazing musicians, so yes, go and support the, the artists themselves, not just me, please um, or just them, that would be probably better um, anyway, this has been Australian Gems thank you for coming Zach, thanks very much for having me it's awesome, and um, this is this our outro song every week is Coffee by Arcadia